0: Hello, Dimitri. What What is your full name? My name is Dimitri Lipkin. How, how did you find yourself sitting across from me today?
1: We were introduced by a mutual friend.
0: Fantastic. And um, we, where are we right now? We're in Palo Alto. Fantastic. Um, so
1: what's your story? So you, where were you born? I was born in uh, the former Soviet Union, Ukraine, which of course back in the day it was the Soviet Union. Yeah which did not recognize uh, the republics in and of themselves the way they do today as separate countries. So we were all Soviets. We were not called Russians, we were Soviets. Just being from Ukraine, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania really didn't mean much because, uh, for example, they wouldn't even let us learn Ukrainian in school. Wow. The second language we were learning in school in the fifth, sixth grade was English. So it went from Russian to English where Ukrainian was not even relevant.
0: And what are what are some of the more... So that's obviously something that you found very worth remembering, I sure, guess. Sure. What are some other sort of stories or things that stick out in your sure, mind? As, sure, sure.
1: Um, I remember that everything was kind of dark and gray and that I remember that everyone was had an equal lifestyle to a certain extent because communism was based on equality there's not going to be the super rich there's not going to be any poor there's going to be a middle class well of course the middle class existed but also there was the politburo and and the government that really controlled how people lived and a lot of it was subsidized by having apartments that were affordable by having free education by having socialized medicine uh legal system right but all of that was run by the government so in order to see a doctor or specialist sometimes would take a month or two and you don't have that kind of time. So what yeah. happened was, of course, there was a lot of bribery. There was a lot of uh, under the table kind of payoffs. And that included food. When you go to typical supermarkets, when I was there in the late 70s, that I remember, you know, the shelves were empty. But in the back wow. of the store, there was a truck, it had some meat, it had some cheese, etc. cetera. And there was a line there because they knew, people would know that you have to pay 5X to get anything. Right. I remember going to, standing in line with my mom, after school and it was freezing in the middle of winter you know minus 20 30 below right and we're standing in line for 45 minutes not knowing what we're standing in line for but we knew it was something good because why else would people stay in line and it could have been toilet paper it could have been you know imported shoes from yugoslavia that were five sizes too big it didn't matter it was those kind of things that are i'm sure to the listener would be so mundane and completely ridiculous especially living in the western world yeah but trust me all of that existed
0: yeah, I mean, I can't even... All too well. I can't even... I can only put a picture in my head of what you're describing, but I can't feel it. Like, really? You know, it, that doesn't really resonate too much. That's that's fascinating. That's that's crazy. And... and, and it, so, yeah. Can no, you, I'm sorry.
1: You know? I, I was just going to say, to us, it felt... I mean, yes, it was crazy to do that, of course. Right. We know how cold it is. Right. We know 45 minutes is a long time to wait. Right. But it was all we knew. No, we, you don't know what my dad, after we moved to America and immigrated in 1978, my, grad, my dad used to write letters to family and friends and say, you don't know how miserable you are because you don't know what you're missing, right? Because it's almost like living in New York right. and knowing that, hey, you know, mosquitoes and humidity and cold winters is normal until you move to California. Right, exactly. Then all of a sudden, it's not normal
0: <laughs> That's spot on, I can say from experience that that's 100% true. Right. Um, and so, okay, so at, at what point were you? did you leave the Soviet Union and how did you get out?
1: Yeah, so we left in 78, as I mentioned, in February 23rd, 1978. You don't forget those things. Yeah. I think 23rd of February was the Russian Red Army Day. Okay. So it was a holiday. Right. Uh, we waited. Uh, the way that the Soviet uh, government worked was that they were allowing Jews to leave. If you're Jewish, yeah. you were allowed to leave because you can claim that the uh, Soviet Union is not your homeland, it was Israel. Got because it. Because Israel became a state, yep. obviously, uh, a, while, a while back. And so they were letting Jews leave, but it was done through a lottery system. It wasn't like, hey, I'm Jewish, let me leave. Right. It was, okay, there's paperwork to fill out, submit to the local governmental agencies, and then you have to wait. Some people waited a year, some people waited five years, some people waited huh. ten years. Some people never got out until, obviously, the walls the, came down. Yeah, out. exactly. And we waited about two, two and a half years, and at that point, they give you 72 hours, and you have to be ready. If you wait 73 hours, you're back at, you know, the lottery basket, if you will. Really? And so you have pretty much everything's kind of packed up and ready to go, and you're allowed one suitcase each and twenty-five dollars, no more, no less. And basically, get the hell out of the country. Huh? And how did you guys do it? How did people typically do it? They basically, you know, packed up their stuff and they left. walked out. You guys just walked. You know, you take a train to the border, the okay. Soviet border, which is closest to Poland, in a town called Brest. Yeah. and uh, you, t- you jump on a train there, you go through your final uh, immigration, if you will, if yeah. you want to call it that, right. where there's Russian Red Army soldiers with German Shepherds and AK-47s basically looking, going through everything of your belongings, making sure you're not smuggling any gold, any diamonds, anything. They're ripping everything up, yeah. right? Um, and then when it's all said and done, they will then uh, tear up your passport, throw it in your face, and give you your traveling visa, if you will, and at that point, they said to uh, to my family, "You're no longer a citizen of the Soviet Union. You're no longer welcome here. Basically, get get out." Wow.
0: So you so you cross so you, you cross that border like gypsies. Yeah, and you, and you're no longer. And what and happens? Nomads.
1: We have we have no longer a homeland. What happens and after your, that? your your paperwork gets processed because yeah. you don't know where you're going at this point. You have some requests, some wishes as far as pretty much everyone was going to the East Coast. Right. Right. So. East Coast is where ultimately, you know, Boston, New York, which are a lot of large Jewish communities. If you had relatives um, or, you know, dear friends, but mostly relatives, yeah. you can go to other places. Yeah. Very few people are going to West Coast. Very few. Yeah. And the, the journey takes you through Austria for a few weeks. You stay in youth hostels, parents get jobs, and you're traveling with other immigrants. There's probably 50, 60, maybe 100 people at a time who are going through this journey at the same exact time. And then ultimately you wind up in Italy in a town called Ostia, which is about 35 miles south of Rome right there on, the, on the, the beaches of the Mediterranean beautiful town I didn't want to leave I was yeah. just like this is, this is already nice. right. 100x better than anything I've ever seen right. you know and just to back up a little bit Pedro. another reason why we want to leave is not because you know they were allowed us to leave because we're Jews you know, right. the, the persecution of Jews emotionally and physically in the Soviet Union was horrific really? it was horrific where any time any given day or night you know the Jew, the, 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 the word Jew or dirty Jew was using a completely negative connotation, like you would call someone, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the worst name you could think of. Right. And it's very visible, and you just you kind of become sick of it. Right. So then we uh, fast forward. As I mentioned, we went to Italy. In Italy, then we stayed in Italy for almost six months because your paperwork has to get processed. You go through a lot of stuff. Uh, you meet with the intelligence uh, from the CIA from uh, United States. You also meet with the CIA. The cooler version yeah. uh, on the Israel side. Right. At that point, you kind of have to make a decision: where do you want to go? Israel, of course, it could be your homeland. Do you want to go there, or you know, America is right. where you want to go? Right. My parents felt more strongly towards going to America, with obviously what was going on in Israel at the time and, and the political, right. you know, conflicts that go on over there. Yeah. You know, we didn't want to jump out of a frying pan in, 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 into, you know, the fire. Right. Although, exactly. I mean, I consider Israel. My religious home, right. and obviously stand behind what right. goes on there, but right. it was just not the time for us to go there. So uh, we then ultimately got accepted by a small community in New York, just outside of New York City, uh, in Newburgh, New York, that accepted us. And uh, my grandparents lived in Brooklyn, and ultimately we wound up going to uh, Newburgh, New York. Yeah. So kind of had two homes, if you will. And, right. And, uh, parents started working. You know, basically they gave us an apartment for one month and said. You know, this this hand me down clothes, here's a broken TV the size of your, you know, microwave, and welcome to America. <laughs> and I remember my dad walking on the balcony that night, you know, being very emotional and yelling, you know, you know, today I'm free. And the rest of my life I can do whatever I want. And I was at 32 years old. So. And.
0: And even so. So it sounded like you guys didn't have much at all. You had
1: nothing, by, especially by today's well, even standards. Back even 1978, twenty-five dollars was, you know, I'm guessing, but it's probably the equivalent of maybe 150 dollars. Right. Person. Right. Which what are you going to do with, you know, 450 dollars? You move to a new country with right. no friends, no language, and no real skills yeah. that you can apply. Because my parents, you know, my dad had a master's in engineering, electronic engineering. Mom had a master's in uh, music. She was a music professor. In, in Soviet Union, he was working as an engineer. I mean, good jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's not what they want to do. Right. So my dad learned English night and day. Had two jobs. Mom had two jobs. Worked day and night, and you know, just try to make it work to figure out how we can get get the hell out of the, the ghetto, if you will, right. and move to a place where it would be a little bit more conducive right. to living the American dream.
0: Right. And so. And so when you when your dad went out on the balcony and shouted yeah. and was crying tears of joy, yeah. did, did you understand the gravity of it? Yeah, the, the
1: yeah the, I did. I understood the gravity of it all from a standpoint because I was old enough at nine and a half years old to witness what life in Russia was like. Right. Now moving completely, you know, moving your whole entire family to a whole new world. Right? Right. Not just a different continent. Right. A whole new world right. to me seemed like it was a drastic move because you know, sometimes you stay with the devil, you know, right. versus the grass may not always be greener, mm-hmm. especially what the Soviet Union showed on TV about America, the unemployment, the riots, the murders, the, you know, just the... the was polls. it really that propagandistic? It was that propagandistic. Wow. Anytime we ever turn on TV and they showed the international news, they would show buildings burning in the United States, riots, you know, and you know there's a lot of turmoil in the late 70s right. in the United States, but they never showed the they never side.
0: Yeah, they never showed the good side. No. That's that's no. absolutely fascinating. So I was a
1: little I'm a little scared as a nine-year-old to, like, hey, you know, I saw on TV and why are we going there?
0: Right, right.
1: But I quickly figured out that I, I get it, you know, being in a free country, uh, I don't think people realize what that's all about until you not have it. Right, exactly. Exactly. So being an American citizen today, I find it hard to find more patriotic Right. individual than me just because i understand what the stars and, stars and stripes are all about
0: because you yeah because you, you you don't take it for granted i do that yeah. one day that's pretty pretty amazing that's awesome and so did you how did you end up in the silicon valley
1: yeah so uh if we can back up and just look yeah, at yeah, a yeah. few years back, um, you know, my dad finally got a, a job at IBM as a night shift engineer. Okay. So he was starting at 11 o'clock at night and working until eight in the morning. And, and this is uh, still in New York. This is still in New York okay. in Fishkill, yep. which but I had a huge facility there yep. um, in Upstate New York, and ultimately climbed his way, if you will, through the corporate ladder and uh, became a GM over there. And then, you know, I continued going through school. I went to um, undergrad in upstate New York and Oneonta and Hartwood College and ultimately I knew that I didn't want to live in New York anymore for various reasons. I just wanted to explore something else. Right. had an opportunity to go with him to uh, one time on a business trip when I was 18 years old to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. because he worked for IBM so of course right. a lot of business was done here right. and I just really liked the area from a standpoint of culture, uh, weather <laughs> and other things. That is so for sure. I yeah. came out to go to law school out here in uh, Sacramento to start with and ultimately wind up coming over to Silicon Valley, which at the same time, my dad uh, took a new job at the time at a uh, company called Varium, the um, very semiconductor, right. was also in Palo Alto. Right. So the family got reunited, and that really, you know, is now our home since 1992. Yeah. Till today, Silicon Valley, and you know, all over Silicon Valley. I lived in various cities. Yep. Mountain View, Palo Alto, Santa Clara, San Jose, et cetera. And, uh, That's awesome. It's home. And yep. I work in high-tech right now um, and you know running marketing global marketing yep. and it's, that's what I've been doing over the last 25 years yep. in various capacities various companies various brands but and, you know in, in a short amount of time you know we've lived the American dream red right. climbed his own way corporate ladder to become CEO of public company as well and uh, ultimately you know you, you look back and you say it's been a, it's been an interesting but a very um, a rewarding and an incredible ride a right. very humbling ride
0: um, what would you say so, that's incredible yeah, it, it's, I, I, f- I feel the pride emanating off of you thank you. This, but, um, thank you but what would you say to somebody like me who, you know, grew up grew up in the Silicon Valley and one of the more in one of the wealthier, if not the, wealthy, the wealthiest area in the, of the world and, and right. kind of you know, I, I hear these stories and I find them fascinating and, and compelling but i don't really have any conception of of what it really is like to struggle that much and to to have this as the most privileged thing you could ever have
1: because if people can see where we're sitting right now i know this beautiful facility and a wonderful startup with you know every amenity you can imagine right exactly life is good it's very good thank god this 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 cold brew coffee is fantastic (laughs) i would recommend to answer your question pedro is go out and see the world and go see it through different lenses. Don't go to the Four Seasons, you know, right. in, uh, in Bora Bora right. and see the world that way. I would go and live in a village somewhere somewhere where you can see it through the, there's people's eyes, the, right. the locals, what their day-to-day looks like. But right. just live somewhere else outside of America because I've been fortunate enough to see many different places in right. many different corners of the world and been able to see it through not impoverished Point of view, but even in the best locations and just walking the streets of various cities, Europe, Asia, etc. I always feel lucky to be American and live in America, and I can't explain that because it's like, look, bananas are bananas, and you know, steaks are steaks, and wine is wine. So what's the difference? Right,
0: right.
1: It's just I can't describe it, but I can. I know when I come home and I land on U.S. soil, that's that's home, and that's where I want to be. And it makes you appreciate where you grow. That's more powerful. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like hearing your the stories that you and other people who I try to who I try to find who did sort of emigrate here from from much worse situations actually right. is completely changes the way I wake up every morning and and you know appreciate this fantastic cold brew coffee. Yeah. It's necessary because if I didn't do it, then then. I just—it would all be for—I take it all for granted, right. and that'd be a, a real shame.
1: Taking it for granted is, is the easy, easiest thing we all do right. because we get caught up in the day-to-day, you know, activities. And our routine is our routine. It's the rat race. Right. right? And the rat race is defined differently in Manhattan and Silicon Valley right. versus the rat race defined in Midwest right. somewhere. But everyone has their rat race. Right. You know, getting up in the morning, taking kids to school, making lunch for them picking them up taking them to soccer practice you know that's a rat race for some Right. Where others feel like I wish I had that Right. instead of going and working you know three jobs
0: right exactly so how do you okay so so to bring this kind of full circle in the context of of my podcast or of this podcast I should say Habitual Hero a second ago you just you just mentioned that, that it's been a wild ride you're extremely proud and you're you're very grateful and happy to be where you are in comparison to where you started yes what are the types of things that you think, both your parents and you, kind of, from both from a values perspective and then also from, like, a habits, and I'm going to do this every single day, you just said that rat race. Yeah. What, what, what did you guys do right and wrong in terms, of, in terms of, of thinking about things the right way and then going out and actually having the discipline to do them yeah. that kind of enabled you to be where we are
1: yeah I think it comes from uh, your upbringing and you know my parents parents I haven't even touched upon you know my stories obviously unique and I'm super proud of it but the story for example of my grandpa who survived yeah. Nazi Germany in you know, the Holocaust right. and all of that is a story that we can spend we'll, another hour we'll, on we'll do, and the, we'll do that another time okay, but say, know, yeah. having him go through that makes me feel what we've gone through is basically you know Mary Poppins right you know, it's Disney compared to that. Right. But to answer your question, Pedro, is that, you know, it's who you are being true to yourself. And I know these sound like clichés, but I don't believe they're clichés. Yeah. And that having integrity, having a belief and being honest and treating people with respect and uh, paying it forward. Yeah. I ultimately paying it forward is huge to me because, you know, as successful as my parents and my family has been, we've been fortunate. People have helped us. Some some helped some. And yeah some help more than right, you know. But we never uh, stopped appreciating that. And we, you know, my parents are involved heavily in volunteering for right. other Russians that have come. And I work with other individuals and helping right. people who are starting their career right. to be the mentor and paying a forward because somebody did that to me. Everyone right. has a mentor. Right. My mentor, for example, is my father. But I've also had other mentors in my life professionally who I've worked with from right. a different perspective, right? right? Um, so it, it's just all about really knowing who you are and looking in the mirror and understanding what you see is what they get Right. and then just stay true to that and knowing and what you're capable of and what you're not and then figuring out you know yeah. what am I going to do to make myself a better human being and ultimately that will pay out into being a better professional
0: right yep amen right? Yeah, and if
1: you do that stuff right something's going to go right for you
0: yeah exactly right, right. That, that, that is kind of something that at least, at least I've struggled a little bit with growing up and, and, you know, I can't speak for everybody else my age and, and, um, and, you know, the, the, the millennial culture, let's say, but, um, the sort of the setting, the ideal and thinking, or at least I think social media kind of has to a certain extent kind of a negative aspect on this, but but we're constantly peppered on our phones and on our and on our computers yeah. with with the best of the best, right? You know, the, these celebrities did this, and this is right. the funniest joke you'll ever read, and right. this is, you know, the fat Jewish. does... Have you seen the fat Jewish Instagram account? <laughs> yeah, the fat Jewish is, is, is hilarious, in right. this, in and you this. You always way.
1: feel like you have to one up someone, right? Exactly. You have to be like, oh, they sent me this meme well, look what I can do, right? Right. right. Or let, get to the point. And of, How do I shock someone?
0: And you find yourself in this situation where you're trying to do that, but, but without really realizing that it's actually the attempt that matters more than the outcome. Yeah. You, you, or at least I constantly have to remind myself that, that hey, as long as you try your best and you you don't give up, you'll find yourself in a situation where you actually might be able to, you succeed. know, succeed.
1: Yeah, because a lot of people feel like, and I heard a quote the other day, that failure is the opposite of success, and it's not. Failure is part of success. Right. right. I don't know any human being that I've come across or read about, or seen on TV, yeah. that has not failed at one time yeah. or another in order to be successful. The,
0: the, the sort of adage that I find helpful is to think of is failures not failure; it's feedback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and exactly. Yeah. It's 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 a lesson learned. Yeah, exactly. Well, well great. Thanks so much. It's, it's my great. pleasure. Thank
1: you for having me. Yeah, it's we'll a pleasure. Uh,
0: we'll have to we'll have to do it again sometime and, and dig into your grandfather's. Yeah, that would
1: me get a little emotional.
0: Yeah. Well. If, that's okay. If, if you're okay with I'm, it, it's, I'm it's, more uh, than
1: okay with it because I think that. His story and the story of others that have been persecuted
0: by needs being to be told. just who yeah. they
1: are, not what they've done, yeah. needs to be told. It needs to be told over and over again because there's still people out there that don't believe it. Yep. And it's not just the Holocaust; it's other persecution that yeah, have gone absolutely. on, and still continue to go on in, you know, Africa and yep. other countries. That yep. If you don't tell a story, people don't know it and become very ignorant to it.
0: Yep. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Pedro. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs>